Hey guys, welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm Axel York. I'm Eric Corbridge. Hey guys, a uh, few purposes to the show, okay? Um, a couple things as far as elevating your skill set, uh, helping you develop uh, skills that you need, uh, practical skills that you'll use in the field and in training and developing your team. Uh, we'll talk a lot about personal development, growth, having the right mindset, really taking you to the next level in sales, in life, and in your career here at V3. Guys, make sure to check back regularly to stay up to date, get some insider tips, learn what it takes to really get to the next level, and stay elevated. What's up, guys? Really excited today. We have a special guest, Josh Zeninga. Josh has set a world record for pest control sales. What I mean when I say that is Josh sold more pest control accounts, sold and serviced more accounts in one season than anybody has ever done. Impressive stuff. Josh started his career in door-to-door sales about seven years ago. In this episode, we cover a lot of ground, everything from his aha moment to his recipe for record-setting success, what was his daily routine like, how he's tied in fitness to help propel and drive his career goals and his own work ethic, what was his mindset leading up to this marathon, and finally, any advice for anybody that is uh, planning on setting their own personal BHAG or big, hairy, audacious goal. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, Josh. Josh. Um, for those Thank who, you, appreciate it. Yeah, for, for anybody listening who doesn't know, um, Josh just set the all-time record for pest control sales. Um, not, not with his company, not in his area, but I'm talking all-time. All um, Boom. You had 1,500 accounts in one season. I think you're yep. officially the uh, the goat of pest control sales, and and if I can't, I'm, can I say that you hold the world record? Is there is there much pest control sales outside of the U.S.? Um, honestly, I don't think that there is. I don't. I think that uh, the U.S. kind of has a unique little niche here. Okay. <clears throat> you heard it here first, folks. There you go, world record <laughs> holder, Josh Zaninga. Awesome. Yeah, kind of surreal to hear that, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. That's hey. awesome, man. Well, good, good job. That's yeah. That's thank you. Yeah, Appreciate congratulations. It. That's that's a that's a big deal to be able to accomplish something like that. So so I'm excited. I want to I want to jump in and first maybe let's take a step back and um, let everybody know, fill everybody in on kind of when you when you started the door to door, like kind of what what you know what got you started, what got mm-hmm. you hooked on it, and um, yeah, sure. How did you first get into this industry? So, um, my situation is pretty similar to a lot of people in Utah. Um, I did a two year service mission for my church. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back home, I was pretty broke. Yeah. So Amen. I, <laughs> I kind of had a little bit of skepticism about the door to door industry before. So it, it, I kind of had to warm up to it for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked on campus at like a like a little cafeteria making 725 an hour and I did that for a few semesters and I just could, I just couldn't handle it. So I I had some people that I was close to on that on that service mission that I did that reached out to me. Mm-hmm. Um they they had to butter me up and they had to kind of like go over it with me a lot because I don't know I just wasn't super familiar with that industry with with the door-to-door industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided to take a chance, go out and work for them, um, work with them that summer. And so, yeah, that, that was about seven, seven years ago now. What was that summer like for you? Like that first, that first summer you go out and you sell, you throw down, like how was that? Was that a rough, a rough go? No. So my first experience with it was actually pretty good. Um, as far as like my own personal experience, it was kind of a smaller company that I worked for. There wasn't a whole lot of organization behind it. Mm. Um, I ended up being the top rep in the company, which, I mean, I felt really good about it at the time, Mm -hmm. but, um, I felt really good about it at the time, but like in hindsight, I I only sold like 127 accounts, which isn't something that's super brag worthy, Mm. but considering like the lack of organization and the lack of on that business's side, I felt like it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But overall, I was happy. I was happy. I was hungry. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more 
than I was expecting to. You were kind of at that point when you first started that you were like, okay, I'm not going to work for seven fifty an hour. This is ridiculous. And I need no, to I was all in. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. what, like Josh, what, what brought on that, you know, that aha moment for you, that, that point where you're like, yeah, no, this, this nine to five route, this traditional like hourly pay route. Um, this isn't, this isn't the way to go. This isn't where I want to, you know, make a career. So is this more like a question of like my first year or like up until like recently, because there's been multiple different aha moments mm -hmm. and yeah. I did not always plan on having door to door be my career for uh -huh. the first like few years. It was kind of just in like a, Makes it was like money. kind of a means to end thing, sure. you know? Uh -huh. Yeah. But, um, yeah, what, I would say what, what were some of those points which, which that like kind of crystallized for you? Like, no, this like is I'm something I can this. make a living in yeah. and, and, and succeed and become a world record holder. <laughs> well, that didn't come until later. But when uh, I made 80,000 in three months of work, that was when I was like, OK, I'm I'm doing this. Yeah. So I actually ended up dropping out of college. It wasn't a super popular decision with my family at the time. Mm -hmm. But I decided to open up, um, open up Urban X in Oklahoma City with my now business partner. He was a friend at the time, and uh, we just stayed in contact. And we just he he'd done pest control also and been really successful with it. So he kind of took me under his wing, and we became business partners together. But as soon as I realized that um, I was good at it and I was happy, I, I originally wanted to be a dentist, but. Um, I don't know. I was just happy with what I was doing and I was making really good money. So that was kind of when I decided that I was going to take the leap, drop out of college and then uh, build something that was mine. That's awesome. I, I yeah, yeah. have a lot of respect for doing that. Now, a lot of people, though, don't probably didn't like that idea, especially the fact that you were, you know, plan on going to med school and being a dentist and, um, you know, dropping out. I'm, I'm sure you had some some naysayers at, at the time. How did you, um, yeah, how did you handle that? And, and yeah, did you, did, did that fuel you or did that, um, yeah, how did, how did you handle the naysayers? Honestly, I just kind of knew deep down that it was what I needed to do. Uh -huh. I just kind of ignored it. Yeah. I, did you I didn't have really a lot care. Of people that I knew... were like, did you have a lot of people that were like, Hey, what are you doing? Like you had a path, like you need to keep going down this path. One of my parents was pretty freaked out by it. The other one was extremely supportive. Mm. Um, but they were just glad that while I was dropping out, I had a plan. Like I was I, I was going to be all in in something. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't just dropping out just to be a loser, but I was going yeah. all in in something. I think that, that was I think that, that was the reason why I didn't have as much pushback with it because I was going all into something. Mm -hmm. um, but Overall, I would say that I had a, I had I had more support than than naysayers. There was a few, but mm -hmm. I, I feel like I was pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah. So, Josh, um, just to I I want to kind of frame things uh, for people listening yeah. to the call because, uh, you know, frankly, we have a lot of reps that you know they they haven't done the the summer sales gig. They they haven't done the you know travel across the country. Um, and just throw down, you know, for, for a couple months out of the year and then come back home. Um, yeah. so, so just to, for, just to start, like, what's like a good, a good summer by most people's standards in, in pest control, just so we can kind of, you know, frame the, the 1500 accounts that you did. Okay. So I would say that a good solid summer, most reps in the industry, can sell around 250 to 350 and then not really have to do anything for the rest of the year. Most of them like in that kind of circumstance can live the other eight months out of the year without really having to do a whole lot. Wow. So two, 250 to 350 is pretty, pretty average. And honestly for the first seven or for the first six years of my career, I kind of just hovered around between 250 to 350. It was only this last year that I really made like an astronomical jump up to that 1500. Okay. So, so for the vast majority of my career, it was pretty, it was pretty normal. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't bad. I, I would say I was slightly above average, but it wasn't necessarily like world-class at that time. Yeah. What, what's the season like for, for you? So you started in March, right? 
Like, what was your yeah. official start date, official end date for this season? So my season isn't wasn't necessarily a typical season. Most pest control knockers are only going to be knocking three to four months out of the year. Mm-hmm. I start. I like flew into Oklahoma City, which is where I knock. Mm-hmm. I flew in at the end of February, started knocking like officially um, March 4th. And then I finished up, I wrapped up around October 15th. So it was a long okay. season. I, I knew going in this year that I was just, I was going for longevity. I was just trying to grind as long as I possibly could to reach my goal. Yeah. Hmm. What during, during the season, I mean, obviously it's, it's intense. It's, um, it's extremely focused. Um, what, what would, uh, what would your routine look like, uh, for the season? Like mornings, you know, knocking during the day into the night. Like how, how did you set up your, uh, obviously you gotta have it pretty dialed in. Yeah. So my, my schedule, um, we did something new this year. Most of the time it's very common in the pest control industry to knock and be like up and meeting at meetings at 9am and then be busy basically until 9 p.m. So mm-hmm. 12 hour day, 12 hour work days are extremely common in the industry. And that might surprise a lot of other door knocking companies that knock like year round mm-hmm. who aren't necessarily familiar with just doing summer sales. Right. Mm-hmm. But for us, I kind of adjusted it this year. We I, I took the first few hours of every day to kind of have like a personal me time to kind of mm-hmm. sharpen that mental sword mm-hmm. every day. It was it was it was a necessity for me. I, I needed that time. What did so, that What did that consist of? So, my whole journey to getting to where I'm at now really didn't begin in sales. It began in fitness, mm. and then learning those learning lessons there and applying it in sales. So for me, every morning I would wake up around. It started to get a little bit later as the as the sales season went on, as I got more and more tired. But in general. I'd wake up around seven, mm-hmm. go to the gym for an hour and a half, do about 45 minutes of weightlifting, 45 minutes of cardio, um, highly caffeinate myself with a bang energy drink. <laughs> there you go. And then try to read, try to read some kind of book that has to do with leadership, sales, any, any kind of thing that I can use to, to draw um, mental energy and, and strength from. And then my meetings would begin, I'd have a, like an hour sales meeting at 11 o'clock where we would go over different concerns or different, uh, different kinds of closes, just basically go over any kind of training that sales, the sales team might need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then from, from 11 to 12, we would do that. Then we would grab a quick bite of food, usually just at the gas station. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would grind from basically 1230 to like like from 1230 to one we'd be on the doors and then we'd knock until dark mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. but for me I like starting later and I'll never go back to knocking earlier because I need that that time in the morning mm-hmm. to prepare well yeah you probably started to realize the, the importance of that routine and and the effect I mean do you do you feel like that had a had a big part in you breaking through I mean you you know you're saying for the first six years you're hitting you know, the, the, the average or maybe above average, the 300 or 350 mark jump into that. I can definitely uh, tell you guys that I did not have a routine in those years. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. this year with those routines, yes, there's definitely a massive correlation between having those routines between honestly, fitness, fitness and holding myself accountable to the goals that I set, set for myself, just doing hard things and having a routine which you can which which is in your control because that when it comes to a routine you know successfully completing that routine every day is 100 percent within your control and i found that when you can control the things that are in your control you're going to be more successful so having a few wins every single morning is just getting you ramped up for the rest of the day love that yeah i i want to kind of deep dive into into that like mental transformation that, that yeah. took place. And I, I know you said that the, like your fitness, you know, goals and, and that transformation, um, mm-hmm. you know, physically, mentally really helped you in your, in your career and in, you know, just blowing any 
past record you've had out of the water and, and, you know, setting this world record, like what, just walk me through that journey and, and kind of that, that mental process, yeah. like, like as if I'm somebody who's like, man, Josh, I'm, I'm stuck in this rut. I don't know how to pull myself out. Like what, you know, yeah. what kind of, what would your advice be? So I'll tell you my story about how, how I did this essentially, or how, how I first started to develop that, that mental strength. And, um, the one thing that, uh, that is surprising to people is that my training or my, I don't know, my, my preparation for, for doing what I did, didn't really begin in sales. It started somewhere else. Mm. Um, so for me, my company each year we do like a leadership retreat and we went to Hawaii. This was this last October. And, um, on that trip, we went on a big, like on a pretty steep hike. Mm. I was the only one that was so out of shape that I couldn't make it all the way up to the top of the hike. Mm. Um, I got super lightheaded halfway up, threw up, and mm. just couldn't keep going forward. And I, I as a le- as a leader in the company, it really bothered me. Yeah, it bothered me a lot, and I don't know, just it just kind of forced me to. In, in that moment, I just kind of forced myself to, to take a look at myself and see where I was at. And I was just frustrated with a lot of things that were going on in my life. I just felt like I wasn't progressing. Mm. Um, but I used that disappointment and sadness that I was feeling at that time as a catalyst for change. Mm. And so when I went back home, my business partner actually gave me really good advice because he had been a little bit overweight himself in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me to get a, get a physical trainer and to do meal prep. So I decided that when I got home, I was going to do that. So when I got home, I prepaid for three months worth of food at a meal prep company. It wasn't cheap. And yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of put, it kind of put me like I, I could afford it, but I definitely felt it. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to afford to cheat. Yeah. Aside from aside from sticking to the meal plan. And then with the with the personal trainer, I hired a men's physique coach to give me a like a, a training plan. Nice. Because deep down I knew that I wouldn't really know what I was doing in the gym. And I, I wanted to remove that excuse and just have a plan yeah. that I could simply follow and be like, Okay, I just need to do this instead of and like just take all the guesswork out of it. So I put myself in a position where I kind of had to do it. Like I, I put myself in a position where my back was against the wall. So I prepaid for all these different things and they weren't, they weren't necessarily cheap. Um, with that being said, I was still very out of shape, even though I paid for those things. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I first started going to the gym, it was very frustrating for me because I told myself that no matter what I was going to give a hundred percent, I was going to give my best effort and that was all that I could expect of myself to do. And I was just going to be okay with whatever that 100% brought, whatever the result was. But it wasn't easy because when I would look at others in the gym, there's people that look like they're not giving 100% and they're in way better shape than I am. So for me, when I first started going, it took me like a full week to be able to complete a workout without feeling super nauseated or puking afterwards. Wow. I was just out. I was just really out of shape. Then it took me like an, an extra week to be able to complete it and not feel like I was totally dead and have to like sleep for an hour afterwards. Mm. So over time, you know, it, it wasn't easy. My hundred percent. I wasn't super pleased with the result that I was getting at the, at at that moment in the very beginning. But as I continued to give a hundred percent my 100% started to get better and better and better. And yeah. I got to the point where I was starting to get stronger and stronger. And then I, it kind of, the, the big moment for me, the big aha moment for me was when I was able to do 45 minutes on a Stairmaster without, without being, without feeling like I was dying. Without essentially. <laughs> yeah. Without, without puking. Cause that Stairmaster is not fun. No, it's killer. No, it's not. Oh. It's not fun. And, you know, I was still yeah. not at my goal weight, but I realized, okay, I, if I just keep doing this, you know, the results sure. are, are going to keep coming. I never have to be out of shape again in my life if I just keep doing this. Yeah. I've gotten to that point where I can, I, I can like, keep doing it. 
But anyways, the, the lesson that that taught me, that huge aha moment, was that my best effort, although I might not like the result immediately, it's my best efforts are all it takes to get me on the right path to where I want to go. And then eventually those best efforts will get me to my goals. Yeah. For me, I, I don't know, maybe people who are a little bit more overweight than they'd like to be will kind of relate to this. But for me, I never really thought that I'd ever be able to lose that weight. Mm. And so for me, that was a huge mental victory because I just never thought I would, you know, and Mm. like, so two to three months later after doing this, I'm down like 30 pounds. Wow. And I real and I realize I can apply this in different areas of my life. Mm. Like this this idea that my best effort is all that it takes. And so I started to I started to begin to trust that my best effort was enough to do different things that I've wanted to do. Um So that was pretty much like the mental that that was where that mental strength came from. Um I have friends in the industry that have also sold a thousand accounts. One of them did it the year prior and seeing him do it gave me the idea that I should be able to do it myself. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Granted, I I'd, I'd never done it before. I'd never sold over 350 before in my life. Wow. But I that's knew Yeah, that's huge. I, I knew that I had the talent. I knew that I had like the skill to do it. I just questioned that I had the self-discipline to do it long enough. And the, the funny thing is, is that there are a ton of people in the industry, especially pest control. There's a lot of 350 level reps mm-hmm. that are stuck there because they're not willing to give every single thing that they have. They're not willing to give every single ounce of themselves yeah. because they don't believe in themselves. <clears throat> For me, I, I was blessed to be able to do some really hard things in the off season. And that's where that mental strength came from. Yeah. Love it. Well, and, and just kind of demystifying, right? Like th- there's a lot of people, I, I know for me, like I, I got an opportunity to meet uh, Ryan Holiday recently, um, yeah. who's, who's wrote some great books, Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy, uh, Stillness is Key, you know, list goes on and on. And just even though it was, it was in a public setting and it was very formal, it, it really helped to just kind of like humanize this individual and be like, yeah, no, like, the, I mean, this is a guy who grew up in Sacramento. That's our backyard. Like, yeah. the things that he's been able to accomplish, you know, they're not mm-hmm. they're not insurmountable. If, if you if you work hard, if you're consistent, if you're always pushing yourself, you can make yeah. it happen. But is, is what I want to do, one thing that I noticed, I, I just kind of want to get your insight on this and, and see if, if this was a conscious strategy, if you've even made the connection, if it's helped you. Um, but, but I notice that you've kind of, put things out there like publicly that, that you're going to do this or, or you've drawn on that. Like, you know, for example, when you were, when you were hiking in Hawaii and, and you had your whole team around you, you're in a leadership position, you know, that's, that's effectively putting out to, to the people that look up to you and admire you. Like, Hey, I'm, I have a deficit in this area. I'm out of shape. And then, mm-hmm. and then when you made that commitment to, to get in shape, you know, obviously that's already something that's been put out in, into the public, you know, sphere. And then when you set the goal to do 1500 accounts, like you posted that on social media before you even started the season. Am I, am I correct there? Like, like, yeah. Early so on. I, I, my original goal was a thousand accounts and I did, I, the only reason why I ever started posting anything on social media was to keep myself accountable. Because I learned that this last off season, in order for me to succeed, sometimes, sometimes I just needed to put myself in a position where my back was against the wall, and that was the purpose behind that was forcing myself to put my mouth to put my money where my mouth is. I, I had a good conversation with one of my friends, Jake Bennington. He's a yeah, I know, he, I know Jake. Yeah, Jake Bennington. He's the man. He's yeah, a he's a good friend so. of mine, and. Um, he was one of the very few people that I told. I only told like three people about it because I was nervous about it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to tell people about it in case I failed. Mm. But he gave me one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten, and that was to tell as many people as I possibly could. And so I did. That's why I started putting it on on Instagram. Wow. If it wasn't if it wasn't for Jake, people probably wouldn't have known that I did what I did, or they wouldn't they wouldn't have been able to see the journey because I posted about it. 
all the way from March until the end of October. Wow. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, that's a ton of, yeah, that's a ton of people get out, getting out the word. That's that you probably felt a little vulnerable when you're just throwing it out there to everybody and Hey, this is what I'm going to do. And that accountability piece really, really kicks in. The more people know, the more pressure, the more, the more weight, the more accountability you feel not only to yourself, but to, but to others. So that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good piece of piece of advice. That's true. But the one thing that can be like confused um, or people that people can uh, misunderstand is that pressure is a good thing. Yeah. It's good. It's good to put yourself under pressure. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's what you need. It's sometimes it's what you need to level up. Totally. Well, so, so tell me obviously to, to reach the goals that you've been able to hit and accomplish. Um, yeah. Time management is a, is a key, is a key piece. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously you're going to make sure you know, you're out there, you're working, you're, you're utilizing your time. Um, there were, I think there was even a post, I think it was you, uh, you were microwave, microwaving your, your lunch at a customer's house, right? <laughs> you know, didn't have time yeah, did. to stop, time's money, right? You just kept going for it. I love, I love that. I love seeing that post. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah. T- tell us about your time management throughout the season there. So, um, towards the beginning, I tried to do things like that pretty regularly. Um, and I, and I did, um, in, in, in regards to time management, I don't know if it's a normal thing, like in the solar industry. Um, but I use segways and like the, the, the mini segways, I, I, oh, I can like never not the scooter them or like the, the, com- the flow in a conversation. Yeah. Segway. What do you mean? What segway? Like the, uh, like the little scooter things. Oh, yeah. oh the oh, actual wow. scooter segway. Yep. Huh. Yeah, not, not, not the one with the handlebars, not the one with the handlebars, but like the ones that you can control with your knees. It kind of looks like a hoverboard. Not the one that the, huh. the cops, the mall cops use. Not that one. <laughs> yeah, not, not that one. <laughs> okay. You don't, you don't want to look like Paul Blart. But, yeah, Paul, um, Paul Blart. <laughs> Sweet. But that saves so much time. Mm. So much time. It's kind of become a staple in the pest industry. I know it's kind of a big thing also in alarms, um, but... I had to use two of them every day. That now that's not normal. Most huh. people only use one. One, but I one use foot, two. one foot each. That's pretty good. I'm just <laughs> no, just I would charging. just I would use it so heavily that one of them would die by the wow. end of the day. Wow. So, so you'd have two fully charged ones ready to rock for the for the day. Yeah, depending on how heavy you are, I mean, you can get six, seven miles out of each one. So it'll save you a lot of fatigue, like physical fatigue, uh, yeah. and it saves you a ton of time on the doors. Yeah, love it. And that's, so, that's what makes sense. if I was if I was to give anybody advice, if they knock you around, get a Segway. Yeah. And you'll never you'll never be able to knock the same way again. Yeah. Now, so Segway was a was super, like it was a huge deal. I I honestly attribute probably three hundred to four hundred accounts. Due to me using a Segway, not because it was like used in my, not because it was used in my sales pitch, but just because of the amount of time that it gave me to get from door to door. Mm. And and you just started that this year. Um, I've used one before. Okay. Yeah. Just it it really kicked. I'm sure. But this was the this was the only time that I've ever used two. Ah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Now. As far as like lunch goes and like eating meals at customers, um, like using customers' microwaves, yeah, um, it's a pretty normal thing to pee in a Gatorade bottle in your car, <laughs> and not not be willing to go to a gas station. I'm Peak definitely guilty of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, heating up my meals at customers' homes, although part, like halfway through the summer, I just didn't eat throughout the day yeah. and then i would like eat all my meals at the end of the day yep. so i'd have something to eat like in the morning yeah and then just eat all my meals at night because mm-hmm. i didn't i i kept doing meal prep throughout the entire yeah. the entire season yeah i i think like, that i tried to keep helps. that same routine yeah I, I think it helps keep you sharp like when you're yeah when you don't have that like post-lunch you know coma and and you can just keep cranking yeah, I personally, I don't believe in the taking a two-hour lunch break. I think it's a horrible idea, and I'll never, I'll never yeah. go back to doing anything like that. Well, then it's like restarting all over the hardest part of the day. Yeah, yeah, 
Where, um, so obviously, you know, in, in managing your time effectively and, and peak efficiency and everything that you're doing, peeing in bottles, <laughs> I mean, this, <laughs> anything you can do to, to save time and to, to save, uh, to save energy and effort. Um, mm -hmm. what, um, yeah, what, what, you know, in, in going back to your routine that you talked about in the morning, you talked about reading books and drawing inspiration from, from books and, and podcasts and, and things like that. What, uh, yeah. what's probably your most recommended book that you, that you love, that you stand by, that you read, that you study, that's your, your Bible. <laughs> Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Nice. Nice. That's, great, great book. So the one like – so there was like a catalyst before the catalyst in Hawaii. And that catalyst was hearing um, a podcast with Joe Rogan and David Goggins. Yeah. And for people who don't know about his story, oh, you should. Wow. Was that the first because podcast they did together? It was the first podcast yeah. they did together. It it changed. It literally changed my life. How so, so, well, sorry, what was that? Oh, how so? Like what? It just made me realize that I have so much more to give. Mm. You know that I wasn't. It just made me made me very aware that I wasn't giving a hundred percent in my life. Yeah. And then when I wasn't able to make it all the way up in the hike on the hike in Hawaii, that was kind of like the last straw. Hmm. Had you read Goggins prior to that hike, or, or was that after? No, hike? yeah, no, it was after. Yeah, we we uh, I yeah, heard we, the, I'd heard the podcast book. before, did the like failed on the hike, and then I read the book in the off season. Yeah, that was that's that's been a big book for us as well here. That was our our theme of our manager retreat. I just love it when he talks about you know when you when your when your body tells you that you're done, uh, you're only at you're only forty percent done. You know, uh, yeah, that's true. Sometimes, e sometimes even less. I thought yeah. when I was selling 300 accounts, I thought that that was that pretty was close it. to hundred percent, but it wasn't yeah. even anywhere near. That's awesome. That's awesome. Love that. Have you recommended that book up to a lot of your sales reps? I have, I've recommended two other books, atomic habits. Yeah. I can't remember who it's, who it's written by. James, off the top James of my head. clear. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that book is also super powerful. Yeah. Atomic Habits, Tools of the Titans by Tim Ferriss and Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. Those awesome. are three those are my three main books. Love, Love it. it. Have have you uh what's what's the other one that Tim Tim Ferriss did? Um Tribe of Mentors. Have you checked that one out? I haven't yet, but I will now. Similar yeah, similar theme to, to Tools of Titans. Um yeah. I, I yeah, I would recommend it. Um, real quick, Josh, I, I want to jump back. Um, you, you touched on this idea earlier and I, I want to make sure we don't lose that thread. Yeah. Um, I, I saw recently you, you shared a post, uh, just about like needing to have a certain level of like pressure in your life, mm -hmm. just not even yeah. to be successful, but in order to be happy. Um, like let's talk about that idea as, as you put it, like, you know, quote unquote, finding happiness in the grind, like. We, yeah, where does yeah. that come from and how does that help you? Um, I don't know like if it came from somewhere else, but it's just kind of what I felt. I just remember feeling happy. Well, so where that came from, again, it started in the off season. I remember just working out one day, doing the cardio, which I don't naturally like cardio. Cardio is not fun for me. You and me both. Every single every single sport <laughs> I ever played growing guy. up, running is like a punishment in that sport. Yeah, so yeah, sure. I've never I've never enjoyed cardio of any form. But I I remember feeling happy before I reached like my weight goal, and it surprised me. It surprised me because I had a goal like a goal weight, which I ended up hitting. But I was I found happiness a lot quicker. And a lot sooner than I was expecting to. And that happiness, I found it in knowing that I gave my best that day and I did what I said I was going to do. And finding happiness and keeping your word to yourself and in knowing that you did your best, I honestly believe that that's where happiness is found. I, a lot of people asked me, have asked me, you know, what did it feel like when you sold or when you finished at 1,500 accounts? Like it felt really good, mm. but I was happy before. Mm. And I'm still I'm still happy now. Like, 
I, I was happier. I was happy while I was while I was working towards it. Essentially, yeah. yeah. How, like, was any of that like a confidence in knowing you were going to hit it, or was it was it a hundred percent like just that? And I I totally know what you're talking about as far as like keeping that that pressure in your life. Just yeah, right. Just like sitting in in discomfort, like being putting yourself in uncomfortable. Uh, you know, situations or just pushing your limits, right? Like, yeah. So, what was it a hundred percent that that like you just you you find joy in that, or was any of it like, hey, I'm so confident I'm gonna hit this, like I'm I'm already happy. Well, there was definitely two different periods where I wasn't positive that I was I wasn't like a hundred percent positive that I was gonna hit it. Um, but. In those two periods, I hit like a like a like a plat like a like a brick wall kind of. I hit a wall right around 850 counts, mm. and when I realized I was only halfway to my goal, and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. Um. And then I hit another one right as I was about to break the previous record, right around 1,200 counts. Um. But I don't know to answer your question. I've just learned. I don't, I don't know if this is the answer you're looking for, but there's a lot of happiness to be found in doing hard things. It, it's it's hard to yeah. explain yeah. it. I don't. Yeah. I just enjoyed. I just enjoyed the challenge, and for me, it took a different. It, like in in order to in find that enjoyment, I completely had to remove myself from the daily numbers that I was supposed to hit. Like I knew, mm. any any time that I focused on fifteen hundred or needing to hit like fourteen sales in a day, it, it would freak me out. I had to try to find different things to focus on. And for me, mm. and I know that this can be kind of hard to measure. Like um, it can be hard to quantify. Like your your one hundred percent effort. It's hard to quantify. But for me, I feel like deep down, people really know. Like, you know if you gave your best effort. Yeah. And for me, if I gave my best effort, I would consider that a successful day. Yeah. So, so almost I don't know if that the, really answers the question. Almost to the point where you, I mean, you knew the goal. You knew what you were shooting for. You knew on a daily basis. You probably even knew your ratios as far as like, okay, I got to knock, uh, what, 15 doors to get one sale or five doors to get three, maybe three to get one sale. Right. Um, yeah, I was extremely, so that was how I did kind of quantify it. I knew that mm -hmm. if I was giving my best effort, I would sell one out of every three people that I spoke to. One out if my, if my ratio was ever kind of off, um, then I knew I needed to kind of tweak. I needed to either tweak something with my pitch or there was something wrong with me. Like personally, I just needed to kind of fine tune a few things. Mm. Can, Josh, well, I just wasn't you, working very hard, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Can can you explain that that idea, like for for everybody listening, like why why did you focus on your ratios um, over like the the number over the, the goal. goal, like like because because you could break yeah. it down, like I have to sell X number of accounts each day, day, each week, each month, versus like I need to convert one out of three people I talk to. How did that how did that help? Why was that important? So for me, um, just trying to think about how, how how I can answer that. So the reason why focusing on ratios instead of numbers helps is because sometimes you can't control how many people are going to open up the door to you. Mm -hmm. You know, often when I would look back and not have sold that many, if I go back and look and see how many people I actually spoke with, the ratios still kind of lined up if I gave my best effort. Mm. I just wasn't able to reach as many people as I wanted. Mm. You know, the ratio when I'm, when I'm able to control the things that are in my control, that ratio stays relatively constant. Once everything's kind of dialed in, everything kind of remains fairly constant. It doesn't always match up perfectly over the course of hours or even over the course of a single day, but over the course of a week, those ratios will, will like match up if that effort level is there. And for me, I felt like for some reason that was more within my control than trying to hit 14 every single day, mm. knowing that I could yeah. control how many, how many people 
I knocked or how hard I worked like that, being able to quantify that in a closing ratio, it just made it a little bit more easy for me to swallow each day instead of focusing on such a huge goal like 1500. Cause that would honestly freak me out. I had to focus on, on the ratio and the effort level. The one out of three is what your main focus was then. It sounds like it, it was, um, and your mindset. But I will say that there were very many times, like this happened all the time. Um, luckily not all the time, but it happened often where I would speak to, I would sell like the, one of the first people that I spoke to. And then I'd go through a really long, long period of time where I didn't close anybody after speaking to 10, 15 people. And then I would keep pushing and keep giving my best effort. And then I'd close like the last five or six Mm. people that I spoke to whereas like in the past so the difference between a 300 level me and a 1500 level me I would let that frustration yeah while I was going through that difficult portion I would let that frustration stop me from giving my best effort level uh-huh. for some reason I feel like a lot of us like people in general were conditioned to like fear giving full effort sure in anything sure and so I kind of had like I feel like each of us would kind of have like a like a personal governor, like a like how it would be like in a car. Mm-hmm. But you have to remove that, and that's what I had to do. I had to like mentally remove that and just force myself to give that constant constant effort, no matter how rude people were mm-hmm. or how frustrated I was. And so when I did that, that's when the closing ratio really stayed constant. So you were able to shrug that off. You were able to to push through even if even if you weren't consistent and at, at selling people right away or, or you weren't consistent with that one out of three i know that's i mean that's a that's a struggle for anybody in the door-to-door industry is to, to be able to keep that level of focus and commitment you know after coming off of a door where you know it's a it's a rough interaction or the customer's pissed off or you know they yeah they tell you to get out of kick rocks you know what i mean and and a lot of people and obviously sales guys in general are pretty emotional creatures you know and and we tend to internalize that we take that baggage and we carry it to the to the next door um yeah how, how did you I, I mean you're kind of explaining that idea like how did you not how'd you kind of reset um like you know what i mean like that's difficult i would say i would say bad words under my breath as i walked <laughs> off their driveway that's, that is that's exactly the how there you go <laughs> You, and I would say a on. few choice words and then <laughs> it makes me feel like it makes me feel good for a little bit. And then I just I'd leave it. I you kind of have to force yourself to have amnesia a little bit. Yeah. Say your say your swear words and then it's done. <laughs> and then it's time for the next door. It's time for the next door. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> Curse yeah. under your breath. Did it ever come out loud or was that just that was just <laughs> no, I was okay. really good about it. All I right, would right. I would zoom away on my Segway. <laughs> So by the time I actually said it, I was far enough away that they couldn't hear it. They couldn't hear it. <laughs> That's great. What, um, I, I, I got a question for you. And, in you know, we got guys that obviously are, are killing it and doing really well. We have other people that are newer to the organization and they're looking at this like, oh, how can I, how can I do this? How can I keep doing this? You know, I mean, yeah, we all know how it feels to like knock for, 12 hours straight like it's it's a it's a freaking grind you know what i mean and and there are some people that they question in their mind like is this something really that i that i could do i mean they understand that it's hard they understand that it's eventually going to be rewarding uh what would what would be your advice to someone who's yeah maybe wants to 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 give up or or think that they're they're not going to be able to accomplish their their goal that they set out to achieve i would say keep giving your hundred percent and just be patient with yourself because the, the effort level, the hundred percent that you're giving now, if you continue to give it, it will get better. And it might get so good that you like, it'll, it'll, it might get way better than you're even expecting it to. Love it. When you give that, when you give that hundred percent consistently, that 100% will get better. And this job has completely, it's completely changed my life. The idea, the idea of working an hourly wage or working a salary, I I could just never, I could never do it again. Mm. Yeah. This, this year, something like I, 
mentally like a huge shift kind of happened i started viewing doors they're kind of like your own personal atm you know like nice if you want (laughs) if you want if you want to make something or earn go knock a door you know go out go out and earn it and uh, that's the cool thing about this industry is that you earn basically you you you, uh you keep what you kill yeah yeah there's no there's no limit go make some there truly is no limit (laughs) <laughs> that's great that's so awesome, yeah. man. josh how how is um because you know we've, we've kind of danced around the the the, the topic i want to kind of dive into that a little bit like you you mentioned that you know you're you're in a leadership position within your company um so you've, yeah. you've got guys that are looking up to you uh what is i mean what has this record done for you from a leadership standpoint like has it obviously it's added some serious sure. credibility, uh, but outside mm-hmm. of that, like what, what has it done for your guys underneath you? You know, sometimes I, I struggled initially with this idea of, um, especially since I was I'm in a management role. In previous years, I've done a lot of handholding. You know, yeah. Yeah. wanting to make sure that yeah. everybody's taken care of, and, and in reality, like in hindsight. I wasn't really doing them any favors. Me as a leader, throwing down every single day, did more for them than I ever could have done. Every single one of my guys this year drastically increased their numbers, just from the example. And, I, and I love it. you know, it's it's not it's not just that it was me. It was like just that somebody somebody was throwing down. Anybody could do that. It, yeah. It's not something that's unique to me. Mm. As as a leader, it's we, we have to remove all those uh, all those excuses mm-hmm. and just throw down and it helps their guys a lot more than handholding does I totally I, I love that that resonates well with me in a management position and I know um, we have a lot of our managers that obviously listen to the podcast and um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the question that that I often get and, and I'm having long explanations to our to our management team about is you know, this balance between, you know, your personal production and your team production, maintaining, still maintaining the relationships with your team, still training your teams, uh, but still being able to, you know, uh, achieve high levels of personal, personal production. Um, Leaders have to throw down. They have to. Love it. Totally agree. That's great. Josh, um, I want to kind of start wrapping up here. I just want to be cognizant of your time. I know you're you're out in Utah. Yeah. You're an hour ahead of us. It's late out yeah. here. Thanks for taking um, time. Yeah, definitely. Of course, guys. What? Uh, so, so there's a couple kind of like rapid fire questions for you. What's, yeah, of course. What's one like habit or or maybe like mental model that that you've cultivated that has like most impacted your life in a positive way? Has has it been the fitness? Has it been waking up at a certain hour? What has that been? It's been the fitness. It's it's been the fitness. Um, I can never like the fitness that got me. That was like the the foundation of that got me to where I'm at today. I can never leave that foundation. It would be dumb of me to to leave it. At least that's how I, that's how I kind of view it. I have to maintain my fitness because for me, like mentally, it's it's not easy. That's not, that was something that's not easy for me. So that's something that I kind of have to conquer within myself every day still. Yeah. You know, I still don't necessarily enjoy cardio. Like I enjoy the grind, but that's something for me that like when I do it, it still feels like a win to yeah. me. Totally. That's well, sure. Awesome. I mean, like like David Goggins, you know, he, he still talks about like he hates cardio and the guy's out running 100 mile, 100 <laughs> yeah. mile freaking right. races, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, almost has a heart attack and still finishes the freaking Moab. Like, so yeah, that, that, that totally makes sense. Um, so just, yeah, just kind of to wrap up here, um, let, let you get back to things. I, I know you're kind of taking some time off celebrating the, the victory with family here. Um, we, we, we have a, an idea at, at V3. I don't know if you've ever read the book, good to great. Um, it's a great book if, if you have not checked it out by Jim Collins. Uh, he has this idea in it uh, called, you know, your your BHAG, 
or your big, hairy, audacious goal. And yeah. so, you know, we, we, we always tell our reps, you know, like, hey, set, set your BHAG, right? Set your big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, and, yeah. then, and then go after it, you know, just relentlessly. So what, yeah, what advice would you give to somebody after having just done what you've done in setting their BHAG? You know, let's say it's a, let's say it's a rep. He's got a little experience under his belt. He's like, you know what? I'm going to sell 400 accounts in, in 2020, which would be quite the accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to that individual? I would say that if that's their goal, if their goal is to be better than they've ever been before, then they need to start preparing for it now. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no there is no real off season. The grind can't end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to stay under pressure. And sometimes you have to manufacture that pressure by doing things that are hard. So I would say get get in the habit of doing hard things. So when it sucks, come summertime, it's really hot and people are being rude. You have that mental strength that you need to, to draw on so you can keep going. Love it. What what's uh, I, I love that in that last part that you said about men, mental strength. Where just final question real quick. Where do you draw your mental strength from? You know, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, a big part of the reason why I was able to do what I did was because I drew mental strength from a place I was never, I never felt like I could really drop before. And that strength came from learning to keep my word to myself. Love it. Um, That's great. Yeah. Doing, uh, just what I, what I, when I told myself I was going to do something and I did it in regards to the fitness, that, that meant a lot to me. And, um, knowing that I can do hard things and how important it is to keep my word to myself. That's, that's where that strength comes from. Mm. That's super, that's super cool. That's, Love it. Yeah. Great, great note to end on. Well, we really appreciate you, Josh, taking the time. Obviously you've, you've accomplished some pretty amazing things and, and we Thanks, totally wish you the best of luck and, and appreciate you. Yeah. You're, you're a busy guy and, and you got a lot of work to do and uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. And I, I'm sure we'll see you around. Excited to meet you in person and, For sure. and shake your hand. Totally. Okay. okay. Hey, you guys have a good night, okay? Thanks, Josh. Thanks, you too. All right. All right.